This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Over to the world of movies, there's going to be a sequel to the film Beetlejuice. Warner Brothers Studios made that announcement earlier this year. The film is expected to come out next year. It got entertainment critic Michael McNeely thinking about he has never seen the 1988 classic So today, he's opening up the vault to do another classic film review. Michael is in studio with me at the mighty headquarters of AMI-television in Studio 7, alongside his intervener, Jill. Hello, Michael. How are you today? Michael, I'm great. I saw Beetlejuice when I was a kid. Like, I was maybe 9 or 10 years old when I saw Beetlejuice. I remember liking it, but you've watched this through the eyes of an adult. So now that you've seen it, How do you feel about all the love out there for this movie? I am very confused. Um, First of all, I feel like I've lived in an alternate reality where every single person has watched this movie. It's not me. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And it turns out the movie came out in March 1988, and my parents were a little bit busy because I was born on September 1988. (laughs) So I was coming on the way. Um, and that's probably why we didn't stay up to touch on the modern films of that era. Mm. Um, because I, I do remember I was a little bit late watching Princess Bride as well, but I love Princess Bride. I just don't have as much love for this one, I'm sorry. Well, it, it really speaks to how movies can slip through the cracks, right? So, for example, I was born in 1983, I didn't watch Back to the Future till like 2001 or 2002. It just it just never came across my radar back when I was a kid. And those were the uh, days when you had to go to the video store to get a VHS to watch something. So it was super easy for a film to slip through the cracks like that, which then begs a bigger question about the distinction between a cult classic and a true classic. Where do you think Beetlejuice sort of fits in that distinction? Well, first of all, Beetlejuice is an important film because without it, I believe Tim Burton wouldn't have made Batman or the two Batman movies that came after. And without those two Batman movies, Christopher Nolan wouldn't have done Batman. And then before you knew it, we would be back in the future in a different timeline (laughs) where there was no Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's hard to believe that everything would have been pinpointed on this particular film, but it is... And also Beetlejuice is also um, important in terms of creating what we call the Burton Cinematic Universe, which is, you know, all the other films that he did in this world, like Frank and Weenie, Corpse Bride, maybe Nightmare Before Christmas, all those came from this world and this design. So I do appreciate it on those fronts. Um, there's also another, another important part is that um, Beetlejuice is a film that really didn't seem to target a specific demographic. For example, lots of children watched this film growing up. I have no idea how they got that, but it became known as a children's movie, but when I watched it, I was like, what the heck? 
there's like 50% of the chunks are for adults at the, at the very least. There's chunks about suicide, there's chunks about swing parties, there's chunks about exorcisms, and my favourite film is Ruffin's Night of the Living Dead, but you can't tell me that a seven-year-old would know all those things. <laughs> so it's maybe one of those children's films that played to the adults in the audience as well, which is not necessarily uncommon, but a lot of the stuff you're talking about is very mature-themed. And it's interesting you bring that up, because you mentioned Tim Burton, a director who is known for at least putting himself into sort of the macabre style of cinema, that it, there's a certain darkness to it. But with that comes those mature themes that you mentioned. And I remember when I saw Batman Returns, his second Batman movie when I was a kid, I left that movie in tears because it was like not a movie for children. It was a superhero movie that was really, really dark. How would you describe Tim Burton's style and maybe how some of those stylistic choices made their way into Beetlejuice in 1998? Uh, 1988. Well, what's interesting is the cinematographer, um, I can't, um, Ackerman, Thomas Ackerman, he said that he needed to create a distinctive style to meet Burton's needs. And one of the things that Burton asked for was not to do that shimmery thing where you have ghosts, you have the light flutter, right, right, stained glass window type thing. And he just said, "I want something more realistic. I want something more grounded." Was a surprise to hear from Burton, but it actually ends up helping us, the people with no vision or no vision, because we have something distinctive that we can look at instead of a shimmery essence. So that's maybe why we don't have those stereotypical ghosts in Burton movies. And that's an interesting idea, just to use colors like black and use some um, images that are more physically present than shimmery. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and I thought that goes towards the dark style that you're talking about, because everything is, you know, everything is emo. Before we know now why it was associated with being emo and before she became a mom <laughs> and stranger things. But what's really interesting is most of these actors stayed with us for a long time. They're still here with us today. Like you've got uh, Michael Keaton, he was just in the film about a hitman who has mm -hmm. amnesia. And you've got We Know No Wider, you've got um, Gina Davis, you've got Alec Baldwin. All those people are still with us. And. Um, the man that isn't with us is Glenn. I can't remember his last name, um, but he passed away. And one of the interesting things about him, he played Ortho, and he his funeral, um, they play at the day o day o son because he loved it so much. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael, you mentioned Michael Keaton, who's an actor who's still churning out really interesting work. Uh, the founder, a couple of years ago, the story of the franchising of McDonald's yes. was just phenomenal. And Michael Keaton was incredible in that role. But Tim Burton, if you think about his influence, how do you think Tim Burton has influenced cinema and television, not just then, in that moment, in the late 80s and early 90s, how do you think Tim Burton's influence still resonates today? Well, just think about any ghost story that touches the perspective of the ghosts. I think that's something that Tim Burton has given us. I think most of the time we would have been afraid of the ghosts, but now we get to understand their perspective and why they may want to hunt people. And think about TV shows um, like Dead Like Me and Ghosts. 
Well, you have the bureaucracy as well. You have the bureaucracy of being a ghost, the bureaucracy of being dead. If if you have to do paperwork, and that there's an interesting joke in Beetlejuice that I'm sort of coming to terms with, and it says, you know, if you uh, committed suicide, then you become a civil servant in the afterlife. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I, that's part of the reason I'm here today. With what I'm saying is, there's probably about 25 jokes about suicide, and I don't know how they're going to do that with next year because this is a different world than yeah. it was before yeah. 1988. And uh, Beetlejuice is a little bit of a sexual harasser as well. So I'm curious how they're going to do that as well because I'm just, I just can't wrap my mind around it in some regards. Yeah, 30, 35, 35 years is a long time ago, and it's a it's a different it's a different world that we live in. Like that's that's for sure. I'm actually uh, going to be doing something with AMI Audio today. I'm going to be popping on the AMI Audio book review to talk about a book from 1978 that when I read in 2004, I was like, oh, you know, that's a little rough around the edges, but it it seems fine. And now I reread it for this for this audio, uh, AMI Audio book show this week, and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this has aged really really badly. Like really really really. Really badly, uh, Michael. You mentioned the sequel. That next year they want another one to come out here. How do you feel about them making a sequel three decades later? I'm pretty clear about how I feel about remakes and sequels and reboots. I'm a little bit tired of it. I, I allow filmmakers or artists to do it if they have a great idea. But how are you feeling about them coming back with another Beetlejuice three decades later? I agree with you, Wade. I've always agreed with you about sequels and remakes and reboots and whatever else and what I call them. Um, I just, you know, I like Michael Keaton's face. I like, I like to see his face without any of this thin. With, okay, I think the Beetlejuice thin is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, 35 years, there's going to be so many advances in CGI. I just don't even want to go there. I don't even. Might just see what they're doing. He'll probably have a boil on his face. Oh, and he'll, oh. he'll pop, and you know, it's just, you know, oh. just give me, just give me Michael Keating as Michael Keating. I'm fine with whatever he wants to do, but don't make him put on just whatever this is. So, um, like you know, when they when the ghosts turned their faces inside out, I was just like, can I throw up now? Oh, Do I have man. to keep watching this? And that's 35 years ago now, so I want to know that they're going to gross me out even more. And oh. he likes to eat bugs, Beetlejuice. Yeah. 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 So we're going to see more of that too, I'm sure. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go watch it. <laughs> yeah. Just based on some of your speculation there, I'm not going to go watch it. Michael, you are a lawyer by trade, and in law they always say uh, never ask the question if you don't know the answer. I get the impression I know the answer to this question. Would you watch Beetlejuice 1988 again? Would I watch it again? I think I'm. I'm okay. I think. I did the wide ones, I can get off. Um, I think there are some great things, don't get me wrong. I think Barbara and Adam as the ghost couple are amazing. But I'm, I'm curious how they're going to explain how Alec Baldwin aged and whether or not he'll be allowed to be in a movie again, mm. given his shooting um, problem that we talked about last year. But, uh, I like the story there of the ghosts and the ghosts being the parents of Lydia, who mm. didn't want to kill herself, played by Winona Ryder. That was an amazing family then. But I think what happened was I got sidetracked with all the gimmicks, with all the Beetlejuice stuff, 
with all the gross out. And we forget that there's a family at its essence. So I'm just worried that with the 35 years later, we're going to be focusing on the one thing. Yeah. And so I think I'm okay knowing that this family was there to take care of Lydia and, you know, perhaps worked on her mental health because they didn't seem to cover that at all. That, you know, if, if a teenager is talking about killing themselves, help them. Yeah, um, yeah. I, actually, Michael, I, I would actually ask you to just maybe, we, we didn't put a content warning or a trigger warning on this, so maybe, like, you've made that point, let's move on and stop talking about it. Because, uh, yeah, that, I think we've sort of touched sensitive uh, material here, and you've, you've hit your point. Your point is taken, your point is made. Let's stop saying those words, uh, because we didn't put a content or trigger warning on this. Michael, i got to say goodbye to you, actually. We are out of time. But what your last thought, go ahead. Last thought. Well... I think that's it's important to know about those content warnings, and I think it's important that um, that we were less sensitive to these concerns in 1988 than we are now, and there's mm. nothing wrong with being more sensitive to these concerns. I agree, 100%. And I think, I think we just had different childhoods back in 1988, and we got away with things more back in 1988 than we would now, and... I think so it's important to pay homage to those times, but also to realize that we've changed. And so I think if they want to do a Beetlejuice 2, they shouldn't call it a Beetlejuice. They shouldn't call it a Beetlejuice. I can't even say the word Beetlejuice 2. They shouldn't even call it that. They should just call it Beetlejuice to start again. Right. To maybe readdress some of those concerns and mm -hmm. fix, fix those things. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Michael, thank you for this. No problem. That's entertainment critic Michael McNeely with a classic film review of Beetlejuice. You can stream Beetlejuice on Crave. It's rated PG. You can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael D. McNeely. And McNeely is spelled M-C-N-E-E-L-Y. Coming up after the break, Apple is raising the price for some of its services. Elizabeth Moeller will bring the question to the round table. Exactly what are you willing to pay for streaming services? This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.